0: Jeremiah chapter 1, and in verse 10, and we're going to just read from there uh, for a moment. There's, there's a lot of things that, that we're going to stop by here, and, and the Lord showed me this in January. I'm like, ah, thank you, Lord. It is always in your word in many ways and in many places, and it says in, um, in verse 10, Today I appoint you to stand up against nations and kingdoms. Some you must uproot and tear down. Destroy and overthrow others, you must build up and plant. Okay, and the Lord showed me a picture here of what we're supposed to do with our heart, and the reason why so many people, or even so many Christians, actually are frustrated for a long period of time in their lives and they don't see the word working. So they end up with hope deferred and they end up not believing and seeing what they're supposed to see. And then you see someone who just accepts Jesus in their heart and all of a sudden, boom, they grow and they and you feel like they even passed you. You're like, wait, I've been in the Word for, you know, two decades and I've never seen what this person is seeing. Why, right? And, and like these promises are manifesting in somebody else's life but you're like, I believe them too and I do the same things and they're not manifesting in my life. Why, okay? And so today... Um, I'm going to teach out of out of this verse right here because it says that I'm appointing you to stand up against nations and kingdoms. Okay, and so there's there's something very significant about all those words, nations and kingdoms, and what that means. Okay, um, and so uh, if if we look at um, in the Old Testament, you know, in Numbers chapter thirty-three, verse fifty-five, uh, God tells the Israelites, "If you don't drive." Out the inhabitants of the land they will be like uh, thorns on your side right and, 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 and it's going to be like irritation in your eyes and so the Israelites always show us a picture of our walk with God when they came out of Egypt and they went into the desert and then they went into the promised land, okay, that is a picture of our walk with God. And that's one of the instructions that was very important that God gave the Israelites. Say, when you go into the promised land, there's people and nations and there's kingdoms there. Said, I'm gonna need you to drive those out because if you don't, they will become. An irritation into your eyes and a thorn on your side. In other words, it's always going to be a pain on your side. Okay? And so since I don't want that, you know, and you don't want to live like that, you know, then I'm going to drive them out with you. But you, you need to... Be doing this, okay? You need to be cleaning the land. And so one of the things that it's saying here is saying, I appoint you to stand up against nations and kingdoms, okay? And so the Lord is appointing you to stand up against nations and kingdoms. Nations and kingdoms represent cultures, beliefs, belief systems, attitudes, thought patterns, traditions of men. Gods and idolatry. That was one of the things the Lord said. You need to drive these king- these kingdoms out and these people out because otherwise you will end up worshiping their gods. And if you think about it, you know, this big picture of the nation going into the promised land and driving out other nations, it's the very simple thing that Romans 12 uh, 2 says. It says, do not be conformed to this world. What world? The world that we're in, because we're called to occupy this world. And what Jesus taught us is said, pray this way, Father, who are in heaven, hallowed be your name. Let your kingdom come, your will be done on earth. As it is in heaven, we're called to occupy and we're called to bring the kingdom of heaven into earth, right? And it's the same thing that was happening with the Israelites. They were going into the promised land and they were called to occupy, not to mix with them, but to clear the land and occupy the land. In other words, bring the culture of God, the culture of heaven into this new promised land. And so the same thing is for us. And the Lord's saying like, you need to drive out the nations and you need to drive out these kingdoms, right? It says, because if not, they will be thorns on your side. In other words, it will be really hard. You know, have you ever worn one of those t-shirts that have a tag on the side? And they're pokey. Whoever ever designed that? Man, they need to get saved. Okay? (laughs) And you can't work. You can't. It's like all day long. You're just like, you know. Like you couldn't run a race with that shirt. Because you'd just be so distracted and so annoyed the whole time. So that's like a. A very small, small example of what it is like to try to, you know, do our destiny and do our purpose with thorns on our side. Okay. And so it, it the Lord is saying, Hey, listen, this is for your good. Like it's not because I'm keeping you away from fun, I'm not retaining from you anything good. Will you trust me? It's better to do this. So he's saying, drive out the nations, drive out the kingdoms, because you know you don't want these cultures and these belief systems and these attitudes and these patterns. Um, and it says um, some will have to be destroyed because they're evil. Or they're not like they're not kingdom-like. Some can be built up, corrected, or redirected, and some will need to be planted. Okay, and so if we go into the, the next few words here, it says, "Stand up against nations and kingdoms." Okay, you must uproot. Say with me: uproot, tear down, destroy, and over, overthrow. Okay, and then it says, "Others you must build, build up, and plant." So out of six words, four words are about demolition. Preparation, cleanup. There's a lot of that happening. Um, actually, in a lot of c- cities, you know, a lot of the downtowns and a lot of the, you know, older areas and 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 more deteriorated parts of of, of cities, they're they're getting like demolition, not even repurposed. They're just like whoo, scrapping the whole thing and building something new. We were in uh, in Alabama last week, and uh, and we. Uh, and we we booked, uh, we walked out of two Airbnbs. That's, you know, just to preface it with that. Uh, the second one we went into, we didn't even get out of the car. The, the ad said, uh, the area is in transition. <laughs> no big deal. Okay. When you pull up to the Airbnb and it's in between two falling apart crack houses, then you go, mm, yeah. Yeah. Um, I just, yeah, I'm not feeling that, you know, here tonight, you know, with all all my little ones and everything, you know, and so it's like a lot of the area is actually under construction. It's not in transition. That's a very nice way to put it, you know, how they put it in Airbnb, you know, but it's like they're they're demolitioning, you know, like a lot of the houses and a lot of places and just building up new, you know, and you can't build up something new on top of what's there. You have to Clear it out, you know? Even if you have just open land, you can't just start building on it. You have to make it all flat and even, right? You can't just start, you know, framing on top of an uneven surface. So there's preparation, you know, whether there's something there or even nothing there, there's certain preparation that has to come before you start building up. And so what the Lord showed us, oh, I get ahead of myself. So so let me, actually, let me go over some of these words first. You know, uprooting is... um. The, the Hebrew meaning talks about pulling out, pluck out, root up, okay? Um, if you think about the things that we need to uproot, you know, what things are deep inside of us is our subconscious, right? We run on autopilot. You, you know, most of us, when we drive to church, you know, you're obviously, you know, paying attention and everything. But how many times you've driven home or you've driven to work somewhere where you go every day and then you, like... How did I get here, right? Like, because you're doing a lot of those things in, you know, subconscious mode. Like, your subconscious is driving. They, it already knows. Like, if have you ever tried to drive with your other foot, with your left foot? It doesn't work. It just doesn't work. Because your right foot is the one that is trained. And let me tell you, if you drive with both feet, you need to come for prayer at the end, okay? That's just wrong, okay? Unless you're driving a stick shift, there's no need for the left foot, okay? And so, you know, I, I, I tried it once, you know. I tried it once. Uh, some of you have heard the story, but, you know, I, it was, we had just recently got married, and I was by myself. I was born in the car, and I'm like, ah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to drive just the whole thing with my left foot. You know, and I came up to this stoplight, and I hit the brake, and I hit the brake so hard <laughs> that my head hit the steering wheel, and it honked, and the person next to me looked at me, and I'm like... <laughs> It was, it was funny, but <laughs> needless to say, we 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 develop habits and we develop things that are just running in the background, you know, of our subconscious that we don't know about, and, and they're helpful because if we had to be conscious for a lot of those things, we'd be a lot less effective and less productive. And so, thank God that He created us that way, you know, to be able to learn things that we just do automatically now, and so. When it's talking about uprooting, you know, it's talking about things that are deep in our subconscious, deep in our heart, that need to be pulled out completely because they're producing a fruit or a cycle or something uh, unhealthy in our lives that that we're just seeing the fruit, you know. And so, they some things need to be uprooted, which is why we love the Sozo Ministry. See, the Sozo Ministry and these encounters and these things—they're not about. Everything that's wrong with you, you know, like it's not like you're demonized and you have to go to Sozo like that's not what it's about. It's about uprooting things that are down there that are producing fruits and behaviors and reactions that is not how God created you to be that, you know, need the help of the Holy Spirit and sometimes a couple other people to identify and uproot out of your heart so that the land is prepared. Then the next word we have is tear down. And if, you, uh, if you've read in uh, 2 Corinthians 10.5, it says, you know, the, the tearing down or the pulling down of what? Of strongholds or thoughts or imaginations that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God. Right? And so we have uprooting. And we have some things that we need to tear down that are more like in the mind. There's there's just some thoughts that are running around that are trying to get into our heart and become habits and become, you know, permanent. And we just have to pull those down and say, no, you're not going to. I'm taking this thought captive into the obedience of Christ. And this thought does not line up with God's word. It does not line up with what God says about me or about him or about our relationship. Then we have destroy, you know. And, and it says, some you will destroy, and uh, is to perish, to kill, to exterminate, to lose, to cost to vanish, right? And the Hebrew is talking about, uh, you know, especially people, groups of peoples or nations, right? Now, literally, it doesn't mean that we're going to exterminate people, but it's also talking about, you know, culture. It's, talk, it's talking about... Um, uh, um, uh, behaviors. is talking about the trends of the world, okay? When it says overthrow, it's almost the identical word as destroy, you know, to tear down, to throw down uh, cities or other things. You know, cities also represent strongholds, and strongholds are, it's just groups of thoughts. their mentalities that are, that have been so built up that are now really strong. So strongholds can be good or could be bad, you know? And, and a lot of the, uh, the context that we read it in it's 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 bad but stronghold is just a mentality that has been so built up and so justified that it's really strong you know there's people that have a certain idea about something and it's like really hard to, for them to change their mind or to think differently about it because it's a stronghold that's been built up for a long time thought after thought after thought you know and we could get into the neuroscience part of that and, and uh, which most of you have heard us talk about, but it's not the time right now but but that's what happens. every thought is either building up or confirming something or weakening another thought. okay? So when you start thinking differently, you start building up a new stronghold or a new uh, wall or tree around that and it's also weakening the opposite thought. To that, okay? And so, and then, um, and so these are like four words. Uh, we know when the Bible says something twice, like when Jesus said, verily, verily, I say unto you, it's like, okay, this is like something more serious to pay attention, right? Well, right here, he's using four words, two of which are almost the same word. So two doubles to tell you, it's very important that We clear and prepare the land and do demo before we start building up. Because the building up, you know, it's talking about the godly mindsets. It's talking about God's kingdom, about his will, you know, cities, towers, altars, houses, uh, the church, uh, godly strongholds, right? We want to build those up and we want plant, okay? Planting is um, through our thoughts. Uh, a lot of the planting that we do is is the things that we think. Every thought is a seed unto the heart. So when you think about a, a certain thing a lot and you're meditating on it, right, which we'll talk about a lot more about that next week, uh, we're planting something into our heart. Like, you know, we talked about judgments a few weeks ago, you know, well, a lot of those judgments are just constantly, you know, going around and around and around and around our head. And then they, they drop down into our heart and it becomes something more serious and more permanent, right? And so uh, the way we plant, you know, one of the ways that we, that we plant is uh, those daily seeds of, of the Word of God. Those things that we're listening to, those things that we're thinking about, those things that uh, we're around and surrounding ourselves with. Um, and I want to show you something, day, please. Yep. From pastor to magician. I don't know. No, no, this is, I'm just going to show you an example here, okay, of what happens Um how some people build because the Lord showed me this picture, so I'm trying to recreate a picture of what God showed me. Um, all right, so I need a helper. No, I'm just kidding. We all love new revelation, and we all love, you know, to learn something new, but not everyone has done the job of preparing the land, and this is the reason why many Christians sometimes, uh, you know, they're doing the right things, they're believing the right things, but they have not healed the past, or they have not uh, addressed it, they kind of just brushed it under. You know, uh, there there was a lot of um, religious thinking. You know, it might still be out there that said, "Oh, we don't talk about that kind of stuff." You know, just uh, just uh, just just confess the word. You know, uh, oh, you just don't ever have to address that issue again. You know, just. Just forget it. You're a new creation. And yes, we are a new creation in Christ Jesus. That is true. And this is where a lot of that argument comes from. Because if we're a new creation, then why do we have to deal with the past? And the reason is because we have a new spirit, but we don't have a new soul. Sorry if you disagree with me. But that's why Romans 12 says "You know, to be transformed by the renewing of our mind, which is the part that we have to collaborate with God. Okay. Please... All right, I think we're ready. Okay, so... <laughs> do I like this. <laughs> you guys know I'm not very good at drawing, so I have to somehow do something else to show it to you, you know? Okay, so this is what the Lord showed us. said, many people, you know... Um, Actually, before you see this, have you ever wondered, (laughs) um, you know, when Jesus was in the desert, and that was in, um, we see in Matthew chapter 4, and he resisted the devil, right? He resisted the devil how many times? Three times, okay? He resisted the devil with the word of God. And I'm like, that's pretty amazing. I can resist the devil three times. Like, I I can do three. I can do three, right? but, But what happens is when the enemy keeps coming in through the same way more than three times. He wears you a little bit down, right? And and you think, like, man, this is frustrating. Like, Jesus did it in three times, and he never came back with that stuff. You know, what what happened you know Jesus had more authority he had more power he had like what is it like doesn't the bible says that we have the same spirit you know that raised him from the dead doesn't it say that you know he was 100% man and I was 100% man so so there's a disconnect and I was praying about this for months actually I was thinking about this for years and the lord found me show me this and he said the difference is that Jesus did not have the lying beliefs the past wounds the negative experience the destructive cellular memories And the past sinful nature that we are working out. He didn't have that. And then some might think, well, that's not fair. I thought he was just like us. He was, but he came as the second Adam. So in other words, if you're wondering if you could make it, Adam didn't. Because Adam didn't have also, he he didn't have the lying beliefs, the past wounds, the negative experiences, the destructive selling. Adam didn't have those things. And he's still messed up. So Jesus, that's why we know him as a second Adam. He came again, you know, second second chance, right? He came to redeem it all. And he did it, right? But the reason why it worked for him so so naturally is because Jesus didn't have these lying beliefs, this past wounds, this negative experience, this, you know, past uh, wrong inheritance from his parents. That's why he was born out of a virgin. Now, when we're born again... We're born out of incorruptible seed. Now we have the same ability. That's why before being saved, it's it's really hard to make it on our own. You can't. But when you're born a new creation, now you're not born out of the incorruptible seed. You have the junk, and that's why you have to deal with it. But it's not hard. You just have to do it. In the same way, when the Israelites went into the promised land, the Lord actually told them and said, I will do it with you, but you have to take the initiative. Are you following? Like, it's not like, oh, I have all this work to do all by myself now. No, no, no. He is doing it with us, but we're the ones. And the problem is, most people don't want to look at their heart. Most people don't want to look. They don't want to deal with this stuff. And so then they just go ahead and they they build like this. They build on top of the junk. Like, I confess my word. I pray. I tithe. You know, I'm doing the right things. Yes, yes. But I don't know how much longer this is going to hold because because you didn't clean clean up, you didn't clear the the land. Like that's why you're frustrated. Like you can't hold any more. As a matter of fact, every time you find yourself building more and more, um, you know you put more stuff. You know, and, and and then it's just like you're like, oh my gosh, like it feels so hard right now. It's it's like I don't know how much more I can put on top of this. You know, and then you. Start falling apart, you know. <laughs> you start falling apart, and so the Holy Spirit is so amazing that because He redeems time, you know, He He goes into your past and He starts healing the past, right? Whether sozo or you know just whichever ways it is, and He starts cleaning up your past and the past wounds and the past hurt, right? And then. You know, there you go. Like, now you're, you have a, a more solid foundation because you've been dealing with your heart. You've been, uh, you know, uh, destroying, uprooting, and pulling down, you know, these things. And and then what you're planting and building up, it's now taking. It's now actually staying. It's like it's like it feels more solid, right? And then there's other ones that are just like, you know, I'm just, yeah, everything looks great in my life, right? Yeah, you know, and there's this this past wound, this, this past thing. They just don't talk about it, right? And again, you know, when the weight comes on top of it and the storms blow or whatnot, you know, it falls apart because they don't have a solid foundation. And so it's either junk or it's either past wounds or past generational things that are not dealt with, you know, that we have all the tools to deal with and we're just not doing it, you know. But the Lord wants us to just, you know, build a solid foundation in Him and... And this is this is the person that, you know, everything is like the word is working for them. Why is it working? You know, this was this was Jesus. You know, he resisted the devil three times. Boom, he's done. He's gone. You know, he would he would uh, speak the word and it and it was done. Why? What's the difference between Jesus and me? Like he didn't have lying beliefs. He didn't have you know uh, generational issues. He didn't have past experience, negative images, and all these kind of things that were affecting you know his belief system his belief system was perfect. It was whole. It didn't have it didn't have holes in it, you know? It was complete. And so that's why we need to do heart work that Jesus didn't have to do. That's why we need to uproot and tear down and destroy. You know, a, a lot of uh, people sometimes get offended with this because they they say like I have been in the word my whole life. Yes but you've never dealt with your childhood issues. And you would think like, well, you know, if I just put more word on top of it, you know, if I just put more word on top of it, I should be fine. Well, that's not true. You also have stuff you have to deal with. And you can tell because of the patterns in your life. You can tell because of the reactions, you know, that happen in you. You can tell because of the cycles that you're stuck in. You can tell because your capacity is not expanding. Your capacity, your 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 ability to carry, is the same one that it was ten years ago. And if you read the parable that Jesus um, talked about in uh, in in the Gospels, he said, um, you know, to one, you know, the parable of the talents, right? What happens? Like some had more capacity than than others. Like, aren't we all created equal by God? Don't we all have the same ability to grow and to grow from glory to glory and prosper? Yes, we do. But not everybody does the work to prepare. And so and so that's why, you know, many times we're like, we're frustrated. If we don't recognize this, we'll be frustrated and we'll condemn ourselves for not having enough faith. Has anybody ever beat themselves up like, oh, I must not have enough faith for this? No, see, the faith part is not hard. The faith part is simple. All you need is a mustard seed size of faith. So, what's the problem then? (laughs) It's all the other stuff that is underlying in my heart. You know, I'm going to, let's go to uh, Psalms chapter. Are you getting something out of this? Okay, Uh, I love it when the Lord shows me. Ah, here's, here's why this, this is frustrating, you know, or here's why. Let's go to Psalm chapter 19, verse 12, okay? I want to be able to recognize these things. Because for a long time, you know, people got beat up about, you don't have enough faith. Oh, you're struggling financially? It's either sin or faith. (laughs) And it's like, you know, hard on yourself. And God's not like that. That's, that's. And so instead, it's it's things in our heart, it's inhabitants in the land that we have not driven out. See, the the very own Solomon, the wisest man on the whole earth, he was amazing. Amazing! He gave us the Proverbs and so much more, right? The reason he fell was because he ended up in his life contaminating with some other inhabitants of other lands, right? He he married... uh, women from other lands and then allowed their gods into his life. And that's what ended up corrupting him. And so we're in this world. And when we start conforming to the world, we start allowing for corruption to happen in our hearts. The Bible says we cannot serve two masters. We'll either love one or hate the other. And so, um, Let's go to uh, yeah Psalm nineteen twelve. You know it says, "How can I know the sins? All the sins lurking in my heart, cleanse me from these hidden faults." And um, and this is the problem because essentially what this verse is saying, uh, first of all, the um, the word it's saying, "How can I know?" So obviously I don't know the sins. Now, the sins right there, that word sin is not the normal sin word. This word sin is actually talking about um, the error of ignorance or sin of ignorance. It's specifically referring to sins of ignorance. That means, how can I know what I don't know? Or what I didn't know was wrong? Okay? And it says, cleanse me from these hidden things. Again, they're also hidden. So if I were to put this in the message translation, I would say, how can I know the errors I don't know that are hidden, and I don't even know where they are? You see, King David had a desire to please the Lord. And yet he messed up. So he's like... This is impossible. He's like, I'm trying to do the best. Like, my heart is good. I want to please the Lord. And yet, there's things, I found there's things in my heart that I don't know, that I don't even know they're wrong. I don't even know where to look. I don't know where to start. I know nothing. Like, this scripture is actually frustrating. How can I know what I don't know that is wrong when I don't even know where it is? Has anybody ever been there? And then he's saying, cleanse me, right? Are we cleansed? We're cleansed by the blood of Jesus. Sin isn't the problem. It's the consequences of those mistakes, right? We know we're not being condemned by God or judged by God for those sins. They were paid and washed in the blood of Jesus. But the problem is when I'm still missing the mark and I'm still making these mistakes, they're still affecting me. They still affect me. Even if I don't know where they are, or I didn't know they were wrong, and I don't even know where to look, they're still going to affect me, and that's frustrating. You know, this is the kind of stuff that makes you come to the end of yourself and say, God, I need you. Holy Spirit, I need you. And in this series, this is where we're going to find out. This is where we're going to, how do we pray and we engage with the Holy Spirit to find the places in our heart? And the things in our heart that we don't even know are there. Because God knows your heart is good. God knows your intention is good. God knows the things that are sabotaging your life. God knows the things that are sabotaging you from going to the next level in wealth, in joy, in health, in prosperity, in your marriage, and with your children. Like God knows what are those things. So how do we engage with God and, 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 and activate our faith and actually do something that is cleaning up the foundation and prepping the land so that everything we're planting and building going forward now is solid and it's producing good fruit. But you see, I, um, th- this year has been a, a year of encounters with God for me. I've had so many powerful revelations and ahas and things that God has spoken into my personal life. You know, Because what I said, Lord, is, Lord, I don't want anything in me to ever be holding me or my family or the people around me back. In order to do that, I have to come to this place, you know, that King David did and say, like, Lord, there's things that I don't know that I don't know. And I don't know where to start. But you do. Because we like to know everything. And we like to control everything. We, we even like to control the process, Right? Like, have you ever been on a road trip and and you're not the person in charge? I right. don't know, where, where are we stopping now? Where are we stopping now? Where are we stopping? Well, you, I'll tell you something. You better tr- trust the person you're going on a road trip before you ever get in that car. Otherwise, it's going to be real frustrating, right? Why are we stopping here? Why are we stopping? This isn't in the road. Why? What's happening, you know? And so so it, we have to come to the place where we realize we, we don't know. I don't know, but you know, and you live inside of me, so I'm good. And so what is the next thing? What what are we working on now? Like what what do you want to do in me? You know, I went to uh, I went to a sozo and actually I'll I'll talk about this at the God Wants You Rich conference, but I um I went to a sozo right in Redding, California. The Lord told me to go there for just this one appointment, and it was amazing. It was incredible, it, it changed my life, and it was exactly what I needed for that moment because I'm saying, Lord, I could be working on a lot of things on, you know off, off of my own initiative. I could be working on a lot of things. I could be doing a lot of busy work. I said, but if everything truly flows out of the heart, right? If everything flows out of the heart, then it doesn't matter what I do. If my heart's not in the right place, I will self-sabotage later. I will self-limit myself later, or I will be going the ro- down the wrong direction because there are so many things that I could be doing. So I need you to be the one that leads me. I need you to be the one that points out the next thing. And most of the work that is actually needed is not outward, but it's internal. And when you do the inside heart work, then he start, you know, you start seeing. The, the, the outward stuff, it's almost effortlessly, guys. It really is almost effortlessly. It's like when you're trying to get healed and, and you're trying to get stronger and, you know, there's something holding you inside. Once you unlock that thing, you know, then you really advance. You know, I think I, I, I shared this, I shared this, uh, in my journey when I was, I think it was, uh, somewhere in the first three times that I started preaching again when I was still on a walker up here. And, uh, and I said one of the bigger breakthroughs that I saw in my physical healing was right after I had a sozo, right? And I had a sozo uh, after the accident. My friend Chad Deadman told me, it's like, it's like you, it's gonna be a lot of hard work, but the most important work is the heart work. And I was like, okay. And so I had a lot of things going on, you know, traumatically speaking, and and uh, and I remember my wife wanted to go to Sedona for a break because she had been my my nurse for 24-7 and the kids, our whole lives had changed right after the accident, you know? And so we, uh, she's like, hey, my parents invited us to, you know, spend a couple days. Why don't we all go to Sedona for a couple days? And and I was like, no, I'm sorry. I could barely make the drive to the physical therapist. And, And I'm not driving. I was just in the back seat holding onto that seat with everything in me. Like, my wife is an excellent driver. She's never had an accident, you know. And so there's no reason, no evidence for me to be afraid of getting in the car with her, you know. And so I was in, you know, in the van going, you know, but it was it was hard. And I'm like, there's no way I'm doing three hours, you know, up to Sedona and then back. Like, that's not happening. So nothing. We weren't gonna go. And I, I had Sozo. Uh, my dear friends came came to to my house. Amy and Chip, and they did, um, did sozo and just prayed with me for a couple hours. And I literally felt something just like lift off of me. And it was like this fear and this PTSD that was just on me from, you know, from the accident. And I immediately called Kara and wholeheartedly I was like, I'm good. Let's go. Like, I can go. Like, I'm totally free. It was like a black and white, day and night difference, like, you know, no questions like it was like and I did the trip and went up no issues you know and so and and then from there I started experiencing a lot of you know faster bigger advancements and my healing and so a lot of times you know it, it is the heart work that is holding us back from everything else from the financial prosperity from the health in our bodies from you know our marriage to be better from our parenting you know from everything it's really in our heart and so the more we work in our heart, and I don't mean that as like, oh man, I gotta work, I gotta do the work, I gotta do. I mean like as being led by the Holy Spirit through the things that were were hitting a wall in our lives. See, because there's another scripture when um, when the when God tells the Israelites to drive out the inhabitants, because it's it's in Numbers, it's in Deuteronomy, it's in Exodus and and all these in and, and Joshua. And one of them says, You're going to drive them out, but as I lead you. Because it says, if you were to just drive them all out at once, said the beasts in the field would grow and it will overpower you. So God is not saying, like, hey, let's just everything right now, today. We wouldn't be able to take it. That's why it has to be spirit-led. That's why it has to be, okay, Lord, like. This is what I'm experiencing. And then he leads you into that thing that you don't know, (laughs) that you don't know where it is. Because in our heart and our subconscious, I said this last week, I think, it's it's all mixed in. Like, you don't know. It's not like you can search through the folders of, you know, type a Google search on your heart and be like, all right, uh, everything negative. (laughs) No, you can't do that. You need the Holy Spirit to show you. Right? And to show you what is for right now. And, um, and, okay, so I'm going to finish with this. Psalms 119 verse 11 says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. You know, and so at the end of the day, this is where we need what we need to be hiding the most in our heart. And it's his word. Okay. Because everything that he cleanses out from underneath, from our heart, or from our foundation, everything that he pulls out, everything tore out, uprooted, everything that is um, destroyed and burned out, and everything just to you know to make our hearts whole, everything that is done is is got has to be replaced by the truth of the word of God, by the truth of the word of God, and so we're going to talk about meditating in the word of God, hiding the word of God in our heart, how to how to how to do that, because. Um, Although the process of transformation is a heart process, the input mechanisms is, you know, it's through our our eyes, our ears, and and what we hear, right? Which is the word of God. And so we have to learn how to put that in there because it's not like you just open up your heart and insert it there. Like it comes through, through. Through hearing the word, through reading the word, through what we see, what we hear. And sadly, most, most people nowadays, what, what do they spend most time in? You know, it's is in the environments of the world. What do they spend? They spend more time reading other books than the Bible. Watching more news and TV shows and everything than Bible stuff, right? I'm not condemning anybody. You know, that's why I taught that last week, you know. But what i'm saying is like majority rules so what are we putting inside of us the most is going to cause us to conform to the world and start mixing in with the inhabitants of the land and not seeing it oh it's not bad hey it's all right you know and and then we find these thorns in our side and we wonder why you know why these things are happening and we start calling evil good and good evil